I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on Female Pro Athletes. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can find all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5 TV, free of charge on my website, lisaevers.com. You can also subscribe to our Street Soldiers podcast on iTunes so you don't miss a show. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on professional women athletes. Do they get the pay and do they get the respect that they deserve? As more and more women pursue careers in professional sports, the issues of equal pay, opportunity, and respect are becoming ever more urgent goals, especially in team settings. Now it's no longer keep your mouth shut and play the game. It's all about leveling the playing field across the board. Let's find out more about these issues with our amazing panel. Joining me is Hannah O'Flynn. She's a producer and editor with the NBA and WNBA, a media personality, and a former Division I athlete. Hannah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. Excited to have you. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Rachel Breton. She's a former professional soccer player, a coach and trainer, and also a sports psychology mentor. Rachel, great to have you with us. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Prim Saripapat. She's the host on The Athletic. She's a former ESPN anchor, and she's a former Duke and professional tennis player. Prim, great to have you with us. Nailed the last name. Good job. <laughs> I'm excited so, to be thank here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thanks. thank you all for being with us. So much is happening with women's sports, and so much has been going on for so long that I think just the general public didn't realize the struggles, the challenges. Rachel, when you look at the field right now, especially as we're in the middle of this highly publicized Women's World Cup, where are we with this? Um, that's a great question. I think right now, overall, the World Cup has been a fantastic. I don't know if everyone's been watching it, but it's been really good. Uh, all countries have really represented themselves, and I think that's uh, a, it's something that should be seen from a lot of viewers because, I don't know, professional soccer isn't where I think needs to be, uh, as, along with uh, youth sports as well. Um, seeing that the women's national team is doing so well, it's bringing a lot of talk towards the growth of women athletes, especially soccer players as well. And one of the, Hannah, with the, uh, with the professional basketball players, with the women basketball players, there's been a lot of other issues just besides equal pay because they're not saying we think we should be paid the same as the guys. We're not drawing in the same crowds yet. We're, it's not at that same level. But what's the feeling among the WNBA? Yeah, I think there's two sides to that. Um, also, going off of the, the World Cup idea, it's, it's crazy that I think Rachel might have more to say on that, but Ada Hederberg, mm-hmm. or Hegerberg, that's like such a definition, I think, of the issues that female athletes are going through. She's arguably one of the best soccer players that, you know, is in the game right now, and she opted out because she was protesting against the Norwegian uh, national team for how they're treating everybody. Um, But going off of sort of the WNBA, um, there's the argument that, you know, there's a lot of tickets that aren't being sold um, compared to the NBA. Um, But, you know, on the other side of that, only approximately 25% of the revenue of the league um, is estimated to be going towards the players. So um, There's a disparity there. And I, and I want to get more into the, to the money thing. But just, just overall, Prim, when you look around, you were on the pro tennis circuit there. Mm-hmm. When you see tennis has equal prize money, yep. right, for yep. women and for men. Yep. You know, I think when you're, when you're talking about tennis, I think it's extremely progressive and it's kind of like the modern day 
uh, environment when we're talking about equal pay because it's one of the few sports where the men and women, they actually do get paid the same money. Maybe at not every single event or tournament, but, but when we're talking about the, the majors, grand slam, the, big the ones. grand slams, yeah. I mean, when somebody wins a U.S. Open, they get $3.8 million, male or female, doesn't matter. And so I think that's a, that's a really cool thing, and it should serve as the template for all the other sports about what what the potentials are in terms of uh, equal pay for men and women. But Rachel, when we talk about ten when we talk about tennis having the equal pay, that's an individual sport where yeah. you have soccer, you have basketball, which are the two biggest, I think, team sports uh, mm -hmm. that that women are playing in professionally in the U.S. Does it make a difference when you're talking about a team? What other dynamics come into play? Um, I mean, when you're talking about a team, I think. Uh, well, for the league per se, we opted, and when I say we, I mean the players, we've opted to take a lower compensation to create, uh, to make it lucrative and make it sustainable because the past couple of leagues, they've just diminished after three years. So we're trying to keep it, again, sustainable, and that means that a lot of players collectively might need to take a pay cut uh, or pay hit. Um, but I think with the women's national team arguing for them to get paid more and get get paid equally that is also bringing a lot of notice to the players that aren't on a national team which is you know um it's going to take some time but i think that's the biggest part about it is the is the elephant in the room with this the, the whole discussion about equity and respect for women in sports the fact that there's still people out there that have a lot of negative stereotypes about female athletes absolutely um i think especially in the wmba there's a lot of haters and you see in the comments um and it's funny from all the perspectives of the players, they always say, you know, the people who are hating on us aren't actual basketball players or hoopers. They aren't the people with the skills. <laughs> the NBA players are super supportive. We were just talking about how just the other day, you know, LeBron, Westbrook, CP3, they're all at the Aces Liberty game. They're super um, outward on social media. Kobe, LeBron, Kyrie Irving have all tweeted about it and speak on it, and they're super supportive. Giannis has compared himself to Candace Parker. Um, there's endless examples of players who understand what it takes and the skills that these girls really, truly have. And uh, I always say, if you're a hater of the WNBA, like, have you ever seen a game? Because... It's 100%. unbelievable. That's yeah. so true. I actually think that people that are super critical about female athletes or particularly the WNBA are typ typically people that probably didn't play sports or didn't even play at the right. higher level right. because you'll never hear a male athlete, you know, ripping on another female athlete because when you've played at the higher level, you have such an appreciation for the game and the training and how hard it is. And so you have that respect for one another. Athlete to athlete, it doesn't matter if you played in high school or in college or professional, like once, once anybody finds out that you were an athlete, it's like it's immediate family and connection. And Rachel, you, you, and, and, and Prim, you talk about the, the pressures and what, what it takes to really play at that level. Rachel, give us an idea of what it's like to play at a pro mm -hmm. level because it's, it's not like, you know, we do a show and it goes out and, you know, most of the people will like it, thankfully, but it's, it's not, everything's not in real time with commentators commenting on mm. everything real time, yeah. Yeah. video on, you know, close-ups of how you just kick the ball or whatever. Yeah. Tell us about the pressures. Uh, I mean, it is a lot of pressure. You know, uh, you're a 1% of, of what everyone's trying to be. So it's getting, making sure like even on social media that you present yourself the right way, that you eat right, that you sleep right, that you're not, you know, projecting anything, you're staying neutral, and that's just off the field. On the field, you know, you have to come in every day 
And a lot of things that um, that's struggling with the NWSL is having everybody on their off-field um, happiness. You know, like there was kind of dra- like drama with um, a couple teams about you know host families or if they're just happy off the field. And that turns on to being happy on the field, which means that you can't be productive during practice, you can't be productive during games. And you know, then you get kind of worried that are we bringing in the fans? That's kind of our problem too, because it is. You know, We have to make sure that we're bringing those fans in and we have to make sure that we're pre- performing because it's very easy for someone to say, well, it's just women's soccer or it's just, you know, it's a women's sport, you know, because we are on the lower end, especially with the MLS growing. It's this 26th or 27th year. Um, we are on our seventh year. We do, we have made big strides, but, you know, it could be taken down at any moment. So it's a lot of pressure, you know, to prepare for it, uh, to stay healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is tough. There's just, there's a lot more that goes into it than the, the people who are watching from their couch or yeah, from the stands 100%. even totally understand. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. What it do? This is Kevin Gates, and right now I'm kicking it with Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about pro-female athletes. Do they get the respect they deserve? We've got an amazing panel to break this all down for you. Joining me is Hannah O'Flynn. She's a producer and editor with the NBA and WNBA. She's also a media personality and a former Division I athlete. Hannah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Rachel Breton. She's a former professional soccer player, a coach and trainer, and a sports psychology mentor. Rachel, great to have you with Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Prim Saripapat. She's a host with The Athletic. She's a former ESPN anchor and also a former Duke and pro tennis player. Prim, great to have you with hello, us. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. <laughs> The stereotypes, the pressures, let's really talk about that because there's things that you hear just even as a girl growing up like, oh, you don't want to be like those girls, you're not going to get a boyfriend. I mean, that's still very much a big thing or they're going to think a certain kind of way of you or you're going to, your body's going to change and you're not going to have, especially now with all these, you know, the super hyper curvy uh, stars we see in celebrities we see and and things like that. Talk about those. What have you heard about that? I think... um it's it's definitely getting better, but I would definitely say um, as far as just like the muscular physique and strong woman, um, I think it used to be much more of an issue as far as like um, an athlete like not being feminine and right. it was seen as like less attractive. Um, I'm definitely seeing more and more just through social media and and everything else. Just it's becoming a lot more accepting. Um, and yeah, I just think that uh, athletes, like female athletes, are seeing a lot more like respect and praise in that way of like being more strong and bold. And our culture overall, I mean, so much more of an emphasis on fitness. It's okay for totally. women to have muscles. Yeah, for it's sure. okay to have definition and yeah. and that that type of thing. Prem, what about in the tennis world? Because Serena Williams has had a yeah. lot of ba- a lot of different battles and been criticized for her look and for yeah, her her muscular physique. I want, I want and those arms. I'm telling you that. What, yeah, are, what about that? that and the power yeah. that she plays with it. Yeah, it's really interesting because when she bursted onto the scene and as she started, you know, they, the Williams sisters were only 12 or 13 years old. But as oh, we wow. all know, yeah, and as we all know, um, we got to follow them through their careers, but also their lives. And with that, you know, of course, we all have been through adolescence and you come grow into your bodies. And she really challenged the idea of what a woman or even a female tennis player should be. She was tall, she was strong, she was muscular. 
Um, African-American in it, a predominantly yep, white exactly. sport. Yep, in a very wealthy, predominantly white sport, um, you know, where the fan base is typically white collar. Uh, and so there was a period, I would say, for a good 10 years. I mean, that's a good chunk of time. because she's only uh, 38 right now, 37. But for a good chunk of, you know, 10 years, people weren't necessarily fans of the Williams sisters for a number of reasons. But I think as time has gone on, Hannah, as you mentioned, I think um, with the movement of social media um, female athletes have a much larger voice and they can fight for what they want to fight for so there's less of the stereotypes about about women having to be feminine or submissive or uh, more patient or um, you yeah, know sure. tall and skinny petite whatever it is like I think there's a real celebration of like if you're a female athlete or if you're just a female in general you yeah. can be voluptuous you can be muscular strong as the new sexy and so, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I just think the times are changing. I would right. jump on that, because I think, like, I'm a huge Serena fan, yeah. and she's just been awesome. I think she's, like, I think the biggest thing that athletes have done and what women should do and are doing is that they're just representing themselves and, like, this is me. And she's always been like, this is, this is who I am. This is who I am on the tennis court. This is what I'm about. And then you kind of see her MO, and that kind of, you know, brings confidence to w women to do that, you know? And then also sure, a, a cultural shift too, in terms of, terms of more more sports, more women being encouraged to get into sports. Where before it used to be like, okay, yeah. the guys the guys in the family, the boys, well, they go into this. They have soccer, basketball, baseball, yeah. lacrosse. They have all these different sports, and then there would just be a couple a couple for the girls. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I think I was lucky, and it sounds like you you guys were lucky too. Where uh, my my upbringing is Asian. My parents are from Thailand, so typically, you know, they they adhere to the typical. Um, stereotype of Asians where it's like, oh, you play piano and you're really good at math and you're a good student. And yeah, I did get a 4.0 and I did play piano and we both played saxophone. And guess what? And you, and you, and you got a killer backhand, you know what? right? I was an athlete too, you know? Yeah. But my parents were super liberal in that sense where yeah. You know, it was between as long as you kept dance your grades up, you could. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoyed tennis, and they they helped foster um, opportunities for me to pursue that. And it sounds like yeah, your parents no, did the same thing same too. Same for me. Yeah. Three point eight nine. Okay. Three point eight nine. Okay. All right, Rachel. Major, okay. All right. It was yes. four. Yes. No one yes. needs yes. to know. Okay. And working four different part-time <laughs> jobs to pay for school. No, but yeah, good. my parents supported me, and I just I loved soccer. That was like my dad played soccer, and that was my passion, and they. They made it they made both things just acceptable where it's like mm -hmm. hey like it wasn't a challenge to do it it was just like mommy and daddy did it can you do that too yeah. and I was like oh okay like my mom was a runner my dad played soccer my mom went to Harvard went to Rutgers my dad went to Syracuse oh, like they had oh, there we oh. go okay. <laughs> but like it was it was more of like we can do it so can you and so I just followed that and I I think yeah I, I wasn't really hit hard with being an athlete. Like the main thing that we all get, and like my teammates and I, we make a joke about it, but it's like, oh, you you, you play soccer? Are you gay? And it's like, no. <laughs> Do people actually say that? Oh, yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. They want to know. Like they Does just, they just ask you, say that? Hannah, yeah, what, Hannah what, about, what about that? For you I getting think, into uh, sports when you, were, when you were a girl? Oh man, so I'm one of five girls. We got the Pride and Prejudice swag going on at home. <laughs> and, um, my parents were always super supportive in like throwing us in everything. Uh, we pretty much played all of the sports. Uh, at one point, I think in middle school, I was playing like five or six different sports at the same time. Wow. Um, yeah, I played saxophone growing up. I still do. And I think um, a really important piece to bring up is, you know, we all have, it seems like we all have extremely supportive parents. Very. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, 
we're all uh, we do we all grow up in the U.S. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to bring up too that like taking a very far step back um, when Title IX was passed in 1972, I think that actually really explicitly changed the game because in paper, in writing, it had these rules for sort of equality. And I think if you take our perspective, it's one side, but if you go across the world, there are still girls who don't even have those opportunities there's or options. There's not even teams. There's no, no, there's no organized. Like, we're like right. accelerated. Like some of the national team players that are playing in the World Cup aren't getting paid. You know, there are some that are, but there are some that they just can't afford That's it. incredible. And, yeah. and even here in the United States, the mm -hmm. women w score, consistently score a lot more than the men, but yeah. they're paid less than half of what the, what yeah. the, men, what the men are paid. I think that's the biggest argument, too. I think that, um, that, you know, with that lawsuit, I think, I think to harp on it, what we're all saying, it's more of the fact uh, that w when the women's national team is doing so well, and the men's national team, no offense to the men's national team, <laughs> but it's on paper, that they're not doing so well. We're not showing our youth and our kids and, and people in general that we need to fight for right. the fact that we're doing really well and we should get rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. Where is the relegation? Where is the fact that, you know, I'm a big firm believer of, we talk in psychology, reward positive behavior, ignore negative behavior. Yes. So now the girls are trying their hardest to do their best and they are doing their best. Um, but they're not finding the reward for it. So then, it, what are we kind of teaching our kids? What, what about what about the per, the parents' role in, in all of this? Because there there's some negative stereotypes of, of sports, you know, parents of athletes who kind of are too involved. They take it too extreme. They think their kids the greatest, and you know they're not. But you know they they really yeah. get overly involved. I'm putting it nicely. Yeah. What What do you think, Rachel? In, ter in terms of the how? Because all of you say you had supportive parents. For your sports journey, I think well with the parents thing, especially I can only speak for for soccer. Um, there was a there was a Netflix that was on. It was called Trophy Kids, mm -hmm. and they yep. talked. I don't know. Oh, if you, it's yeah. so good because it was just showing that parents can get so invested. And I do like uh, parent mentoring with with athletes that it's like, are you hindering or helping your kid? Because now kids are not fighting their own battles and having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with their coach or trainer. Now they're not... They're oh, the parent is like right in the middle of it. Yeah, the parents are in the middle of it. So the kid is like, well, now it's the microwave effect. Like, well, mommy and daddy will take care of it, so I don't have to take care of it. So there's no accountability. And I think that parents, like, you have to, like, my mom, the first thing that if I got in trouble in school, because I was very hyper, the first thing that my mom would say was, what did you do? Not oh, well, Mrs. So-and-so, you know, it's all her yeah, fault. It's, it's your, right. like, she pointed the blame. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly it's, what my parents did, too. It's always on us, you yeah. know? But now it's like, Mrs. Sajiamo, like, something, you know? Like, right, right. like just making up a name. <laughs> but, like, you know, it, there's no accountability. And I think parents, you know, it, it, you have to... Be, I, I recommend that you get involved in the sport. You love the sport. You learn from the coach. You learn from the player. And that can kind of recreate a relationship of the sport and of the coach and kind of have that. And let the kid have it. their journey and don't don't force them into it exactly. if they don't want to do like it, right? Some kids need a little bit of a push, but yeah. I think everyone totally. can see when you need it, when you don't. You know, right. there's some kids, like, there's a disc test in psychology, and you have to see, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to take it, and when you take it, you get to see, like, does that athlete respond well to being reprimanded? Do they need, like, a hot and cold? Like, you know, when they're doing really well, do you give them, a, you know, a, a round of applause? Right. And when they're not, do you reel them really in? Really reel them in, yeah. You know? So if the parents can learn what their, what their kid responds well to and reiterate that, 
it'll change astronomically oh. what, what needs to change happen. Oh, interesting. All right, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about pro-female athletes. Do they get the respect they deserve? Joining me for this conversation is Hannah O'Flynn. She's a producer and editor with the NBA and WNBA. She's also a media personality and a former Division I athlete. Hannah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Rachel Breton. She's a former professional soccer player, a coach and trainer, and a sports psychology mentor. Rachel, great to have you with us. What up, what up? Thank you so much. <laughs> also joining us is Prim Saripapat. She's a host of The Athletic. On The Athletic, she's also a former ESPN anchor and a former Duke and pro tennis player. Prim, great to have you with us. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the effect that being in sports has on women in other areas of their lives, especially as they're going into the workforce, if they leave the sport, just even being part of a team at a, at a great you know, elementary school, high school level or amateur level, college level too, and then you know, going into the world, those, those team sports, because there's still a lot of stereotypes of women not supporting each other, not being there for each other. Prim, what do you think about that? I think that's a great question that you pose because I think um, there's a lot of parents out there that are struggling to figure out if they want to push their kids in sports and they don't see the long-term benefits. Um, I think I was reading a stat. There's 36 million kids who participate in organized sports from ages roughly 7 to 18. By the time they turn 13, 70% quit, and a lot of those are females. Um, and so if there are parents out there listening, I would say that there is a tremendous benefit through sports because it can serve as a vehicle to teach you so many life lessons mm -hmm. that you as a parent can just step back and let sports do its job. And I would not be where I am today without tennis. I would have never gotten into Duke, no way, uh, not smart enough. I would, have, um, I would have never become a sports anchor. I would have never gotten to ESPN. And you know, it taught me so much about work ethic, discipline, confidence, learning how to roll with the boys, you know, and you know, Lisa, but working in sports broadcasting, I, operating as a minority, um, a female and a male dominated world and participating in sports gave me that confidence to know that I literally feel like I can do anything I set my mind to. And you and you have that confidence also too, like you said, of being. She just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of. I just I just had a flashback when I had to go into <laughs> one of those. One, I just had, no. What you're saying what you're saying is so true, and I think this right. is like a big credit to yourself and to the to the other women that are you know in 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 the sports uh, reporting and, and sports anchoring field and yeah. and doing all that kind of stuff. Because I remember going into like for the, one of the playoff games for one of the baseball teams. Oh, like, you're gonna I'm get like, it. I'm a news reporter and yeah. I'm going in and I'm like I'm expecting it to be like my media regular news people yeah. and they were just it, I mean it was cutthroat and <laughs> I'm like oh wow this Especially is like a whole different social media yeah. like, like any a whole different thing so those yeah. are those are those are great points Hannah what do you what do you feel like being in sports you know in terms of the the benefits it gave you I think also too being comfortable around that many men when you're like one of oh, few yeah. women oh, yeah. then you well, know I'm when in a they, very you similar really work environment yeah. for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely but like honestly, male in, dominated in, but in sports, sports though, all the weren't time weren't you always surrounded by guys too? Yeah. So you, just I, you were the cool yeah. kid like in school right. you were like right. you were like set especially like if you went to school like D1 school D2 D3 yeah. you go to school earlier and what what is the D1 explain what oh the division 1 division 2 yeah so you go like for for soccer we go about a month and a month and a half earlier so we get to know the 
camp at campus and all these other freshmen are coming in, you know, they're like, you know, and they don't know what's going on. We're like, hey, what's up, Bob? You know, like high fiving, like football players and all that stuff. But you're like, you feel like in like infamous, you know, like you're in charge. And that happens throughout in high school too. And then you know, you just feel so comfortable not only with men but just people because you you know, like, hey, I'm just here doing my job. Hannah, what about you? In in terms of like skills that you feel like life skills or career skills that you feel you got from playing sports as a girl? So much. I mean, like you said, confidence, leadership skills. Um, I was on like the boys' eighth grade team for basketball. I uh, they didn't have played a girls football. Team um, I actually did both. Um, it was wow. cool. I made the wow. boys' A team. And, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> balls. Is that on the screen? Oh my God. <laughs> Man, I did a lot. Um, but uh, shoot. So in, ter- in terms of like the com- the confidence and then just and, and what about the di- the discipline factor too? Oh, that's everything. And I think it's interesting now. Uh, you you learn to win and lose a lot, and the whole sort of like participation award um, concept. Um, I personally, it's it's, it's a little it's tough crazy. to grasp because you know you want kids to learn at a very very young age. Sometimes you do lose, but that's when you work harder and you get better. Right. And that's how you build off your failures. So um, that's like a whole other topic. That's like a whole. But a big thing that I wanted to mention that both of you went through is opportunities that come through sports, whether it's playing professionally, whether it's after your professional career or after your college career. Um, getting recruited. Uh, I went to Dartmouth College. You went, like we all went to Villanova, Duke, mm-hmm. you know. And you reach out to these coaches of these schools that you really like dream of going to. And for me, like education was first. Yeah. So it's amazing that through sports, you've kind of created the side gateway where you can really to get into a really good school. Yeah. What about what about and you provide great things for them too? You know, it's yeah. like a Are give and take more situation. Right, and scholarship money for for girls for girls. Yeah, for with Title players. Well, with Title Nine, right. they have yeah, to. And actually, that's a huge complaint for a lot of the college male athletes is because yeah, um, have we we have a, a plethora of money yeah. because we don't have football yeah. and that takes up 80 plus spots yeah. oh wow so that's why we have you'll see a lot of college programs will have scholarships for the women's volleyball team and also yeah. the rowing team yeah but for the men's side they won't have rowing they won't have it'll be you know, for just football yeah, and, what, and basketball so so what about let me, i want to come back to one thing uh, prim that you brought up you said that by the statistically by the age of 13 yeah a a lot of girls who've come up in sports and team sports drop out. Why do you think mm-hmm. that is? I think it's a, a combination. It's not just females, but it's both male, males and uh, oh, really? boys and okay. girls. But a lot of it has to do with girls. I mean, a, a lot of it has to do with just sheer attrition, you know. Um, and and a lot of it is, I think, at the youth sports level, there's a greater emphasis on commercialization and just winning. So if you feel like you're not winning or if you're not going to be the next LeBron James, there is that quick trigger to say, we're not gonna. We're not gonna be the next LeBron James. So I'm gonna pull my son out of this right. because we What's won't see the, the benefit. That's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what right. do you she's, think about that? Well, she's correct because there is a there's a stat that matches it that says at age 13, 14, 75 uh, percent just drop out because of those reasons and because their parents are too invested and because they're too invested because they're not gonna be the next LeBron 
and because now there's so many opportunities for especially in soccer the youth that it's like you know we're not happy here we'll just go here we're not happy here we'll just go here so now it's all these programs are kind of watered down yep. so you can't really develop and that's the whole point like when well, I don't know for you guys but when I started it was just like there was just one team and you had to do your best which goes back to, to get on the one team right which is a participation award like it was like hey it's either you do or don't do there's no try so you just got to get in there you know and grow and mm -hmm. you can't it's extremely it's all watered down and it's all too big for basketball yeah. there's you have to play for the high school team you have to yeah. play for aau and if you don't then you know you're not going to get recruited at, you know and like, it's just like it's it's, it's a messy situation and now youth sports is getting way too expensive uh-huh which um, what you said any sport is oh, getting sport. Too, way yeah. too expensive and on top of that parents are putting their kids specializing in one single sport yeah. i think oh that's up, a great point too yeah. growing up my parents were like oh yeah we went to such and such school i played football and soccer and track yeah. and you know in high school i was i did soccer i played basketball i did track and I, then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh especially um d1 schools but even you're seeing it in every division now there's so much more focus hyper focus on one individual sport and sort of like completely yeah. dedicating yourself and to that. And they get worn out. Right. They just get and worn the kids out. Get these little, you the totally kids burn get out. sports injuries that they... Yeah. yeah. There's kids you don't have that, that are, cross training. Like, yeah. There's like kids that are seven years old just like in there all, it's all like nonstop, which is, which is fine, but I feel that it should be from the kid if the parent is constantly pushing that yeah. kid, oh, well, we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we have this and we have this. The kid, by the time that it's time to really appreciate it, you're just kind of sucking it Plus dry. Plus their childhood, you know, it's they not, can't do, like, what if yeah. they just want to play video games with their friends? That's I mean, it, honestly, you know? my, childhood <laughs> was a, my childhood was a little bit like that. And there are certain sports that kind of gravitate towards the super specialization, totally. like ice skating, gymnastics. Yeah, sure. Tennis. You know, tennis is very much one of them. I mean, yeah. by the time I was 10 years old, I was on the court for eight hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was yeah. a lot, yeah. Um, and as a result, you know, by the time 10 I was- 10 years old? Yeah. Eight hours but a day? You loved it, though. I did love it, but you know what? Like, <laughs> but cut that out. Wait. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, ah. Yeah. Like, if you asked me what did you ten say years ago, I would have been like, no, I loved it. And then now, now in my late thirties, I was like, no, there are days when I definitely hated it. But you get yeah. so sucked into, the you know, there. I was getting too many rewards and too mm -hmm. much recognition, and at that too time, young. Yeah, but I was like, you know, I was, you know, I, I had a national ranking. I was top 15 in the country by the time I was 14. So it's like, wow. I'm not going to walk away from that right. no. because my no, parents sure. praise me. Yeah. And I love the praise more than I would if I quit the game. Right. So 100%. you get stuck in the cycle of like, yeah. I can't walk away from the game. I loved it. But now going back. So several years ago, I went and did a comeback um, because I wanted to rewrite everything I did wrong or oh. that yeah. was detrimental. Yeah. So when I went back, I'm not going to overtrain. I'm doing this for me. I'm not yeah. doing it for well, my it's parents. Training. Yeah. It's 100%. all about like quality over quantity. Yeah. I mean, that's and and for the love of the sport. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. I, I trained every day, but it was um, like I, I played for several teams. Like I played for my travel team. I played for the national team, the youth, uh, the regional team, state team, uh, high school. Then I would guest play. That means I would just jump on other teams. But it was just because wow. there wasn't a lot of like exposure. So right. that's how you created the everything. exposure. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like if I am playing for, like I played in Brazil, great. I'm playing for, you know, USA and they're watching me and I have like my name out there and that helped me so much with college. But it was, it was fun. But there were, yeah, there were for sure days that you're like, I don't want to go out and like it's play It's natural. With the ball. You're going to have those moments. Yeah. Because you're a kid, yeah. you know?
Or even totally. now, yeah. like even as an adult, sometimes there are sure. days we just don't right. feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Life's a struggle. It's good like, training. It's good training know? for for Talk real life. Talk to anyone who doesn't feel like working out, and then all of a sudden they're like, "You know what? I feel better after." So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? This is your girl Sierra, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, baby, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about pro female athletes. Athletes. Do they get the respect they deserve? Joining me for this conversation, Hannah O'Flynn. She's a producer and editor with NBA and WNBA. She's a media personality and a former Division I athlete. Hannah, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Rachel Breton. She's a former professional soccer player, a coach and trainer, and a sports psychology mentor. Rachel, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Also with us is Prim Saripapat. She's a host with The Athletic. She's a former ESPN anchor and a former Duke University and pro tennis player. Prim, great to have you with us. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. In terms of, <laughs> Rachel, in, ter in, in terms of soccer, because a, a big part of what needs to happen to get that equal respect for women. Uh, I heard, uh, I, I was looking at a tweet this morning, actually from Grant Wall from Sports Illustrated, and he brought a really good point about how FIFA has 2.7 billion uh, money saved and what should happen is that FIFA should put some money towards and invest towards the NWSL to help it grow because right now uh, as much as we want equal pay we have to have that right revenue we have to have the right supporters I think that MLS teams it should be mandated that MLS teams should link up or even USL teams you mean major league soccer, major league league soccer right, okay. should link up with the NWSL until they get their feet really going because it needs to increase. You know, like when I started, it the was... The investment, because you can't, right? Yes, it has to be a good return of investment. And and just everyone has to, um, like when I started, it was 6000 that we would get paid for the year. Then it was 7000 I think, in three Dollars. years from that. Yeah, yeah, for the year. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not your own. I have multiple jobs. Oh. Um, and then... Uh, I think two years ago or last year it was seventeen. Oh no, fifteen thousand, and now it's sixteen thousand five hundred. So there is growth. So the minimum is re rising, and so is the maximum. But it's still not even close. Like I think the WNBA gets forty thousand for their minimum, mm -hmm. right? It's it's in a at a point where they have like to go 55. overseas to right. yeah. Yeah, what make about ends meet. Right, right. To make to make their ends meet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To, what about in ter in terms of the WNBA? What do you see happening in terms of support? Yeah, I mean. The very big positive, I think, about the WNBA um, on one end that I think as a league and as a sport probably has the most support from any other like male league is the NBA is really supportive as players, but also, um, you know, as an organization as far as like Adam Silver has been adamant and really big on hiring women as like referees, coaches, in the front office. Um, there's endless examples of that. Sue Bird was hired to the Nuggets on basketball operations. Um, sorry. So there's but, there's more, but, but there's more involvement at all levels of management. Right, Chrissy Tolliver's and the Wizards. Um, even last week's when Cash was hired uh, under the New Orleans Pelicans. But but what about? But do we see like you know we see like the, the male basketball players, the, the sneaker endorsements, the clothing endorsements, all these types of things. Do you see that with female basketball players? I Not think for the very very big names, yes. Um, so for like Diana Taurasi or you know. People like that, you see that, but for the players that are, you know, 
new to the game or aren't as well known, it's a struggle because you don't have those endorsements. And you like like we said, you have to go find another job and not focus on your craft which is which people don't even which, believe which people don't even believe which is huge like what she's saying about the the like the quote unquote no namers or not higher up uh, represented athletes like that needs to grow a lot because when especially with the women's soccer when those women's soccer players like on the national team when they go for the world cup you're left with the league with players that are not on the national team those names need to get Broadcasted, and they should get you know some sponsorships and as they well. They should because, get out there. Yeah, their names need to get out there. But what, sure. Prim, when you look at the whole sponsorship yeah. uh, sponsorship scene and and just that whole area, do the sponsorships when they get a big endorsement that kind of makes the athlete more famous, or the, the athlete has to be super famous before they get the endorsement? No, I think the the endorsements come after the fact. So I think we need to work backwards. I think a lot of it has to do with number one, creating a successful business model that helps support the female athletes. So we're talking about the NBA. Um, you know, their business model could be better in the sense of so the the NBA players get forty nine to fifty one percent of their revenue, mm -hmm. the league's revenue. Which and is a lot from TV. It's twenty seven billion yeah. it's twenty seven billion dollars. Oh right. my god. So it's they ridiculous. get forty one to fifty one percent of that revenue. Whereas the women, they only make twenty five million roughly in revenue, but they only get twenty five percent of it. Right. Okay. So the thing is is if they want to help grow this league and the M the WNBA is an extension of the NBA. Right. It's a it's a subsidiary. So I would say, hey, let's invest in the WNBA, which means let's tell people uh, stories about Brianna Stewart and Brittany Griner mm -hmm. and Maya Moore. And that's how they're going to grow viewership and ratings. Because if, if fans don't know who these players are, they're not going to fall in love with them. We, they're not even giving them a chance to fall in love with them. And then after that, then everything will take place. And that's the same thing oh, with, with soccer. It's if you want to, well, actually, no, they already have a ton of ratings. I don't know what yeah. I'm talking about. Right. They bring $20 million more <laughs> than the men's team. Right. And that's if crazy. we're talking about, I think for the WNBA, it, in my opinion, it's about the business model. They need to tweak the business model. In terms of women's soccer, what about it's that? straight up disparity. Like they, yeah. they don't, they constantly outperform their, their male constantly, counterparts. By every They're step. ranked number one yeah. by FIFA over 10 out of the last 11 years. Like they need to get paid. Yeah. It's, it's as simple no. as it's that. that. It, it, and, is, and that's why they have the lawsuit, the gender and discrimination lawsuit. lawsuit. And again, it goes back to what I was saying before about, you know, what are we teaching our youth? What are we teaching people? Because then there's no striving for because here you have you have these players at the pinnacle moment of their lives, and they're there, and they're still not reaching it. So it's like and they got to worry about the credit even, card bill or something like that. Yeah, at the end well, of the it becomes back to when you're 13, and you're like, well, why do I even do this? Like, what what's the, where's my aspiration? Do you feel the outrage is missing with with this? Because I think if we were saying, okay, you know, you have a female executive doing exactly the same job in the same corporation or whatever, and she's being paid. 40% of what her male counterpart is for the same hours, the same education, the same training, the same all of this stuff, people would be like, that is so illegal. Yeah, I think Why humble, do you think there's not, do you feel like there's not the same outrage? I don't know. I think humble action speaks louder because I think as women, we get, like this has already been a to like a topic for years, for eons, right? Yeah. right? Because it's like, yeah. oh, women should get paid equally. You know, I think with sports, it's, you know, it's performance-based versus, like, if you're, like, a lawyer, if you're at Merrill Lynch and, you know, like, you're a guy and I'm a girl, like, there's more to argue about that. Right. But for women, I think, at least with women's soccer, it's the revenue to build up so people can get paid equally. But I think with the women's national team, like, I think I think they are doing it correctly by... It's taking a while. It's just taking some time, yeah. you know? But are there also... Is there same with, 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 the, with the women's and, like, with, with the soccer, with the basketball... 
with these team with these big team sports is there is there the same promotion are, you know are there the same promotion efforts that you see with with other professional sports where the teams are men i think it could be better i think because social media 100%. i think like but i think it also comes from the players too I, unfortunately that's where we're at you know like it's not your job i right. get that I like i you know former pro pro pro, <laughs> but like you know I had to market myself, and right. if we all market ourselves, it's almost like why should you be responsible for that? Right, Wouldn't your team be responsible for oh, that? True. You know, it's like for when sure. you played at college. You know what? And and coming from the the landscape of media, I think it's on us to do a better job of covering women's sports. Yes, I, I was reading yeah, some crazy stat, and they, there was a study that was done by USC over the past, and it spanned across across twenty five years. And during that time, they found that sports media coverage. You, uh, women's sports only receive 4% yeah. of the coverage, not only at the local Four. level, yeah, but at the network level. This The study started in 1989, yeah. and it actually dropped. Yeah. And how is that like? That how is that like, even that possible? Like, it's like after <laughs> the Title IX yeah. and the women's movement and equal rights in nineteen in the nineteen seventies, and then somehow we're going backwards. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we're talking about like we need to do a better job of like promoting female athletes and creating a bigger platform, well then it's on us. And but, it's honestly it's a battle that I constantly am battling all the time mm -hmm, because, yeah. you know, the networks are constantly chasing after ratings and they're chasing after money. Right. But then now it's like, well, we got to do the the story on Roger Federer and Serena Williams because that's what pays the bills. Right, right, right. Like, no, like, what about these these other players? Because like fans deserve to know about these these underdogs too. Right. And maybe that's where the uproar should happen. You know, that's what that's why I think people can get away because we can just provide stats. You know, saying like, hey, four percent, we we can make that change right. easily. And we're fifty one you know, percent like, of the country. You know, we're not fifty one percent of the country. 100%. <laughs> do the do you the know? math. It's do like, the math. Hey, right, exactly. <laughs> little 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 math inequality there. <laughs> is, is some of that too the sport kind of the arrogance of the sports establishment where they go like, well, the women's soccer players they're they're not as fast, they don't play as hard. The same with the basketball as the men. These are some of the things I was read just in preparation for the show. What do you think about that? Are um, there still those still that thing like, well, we don't. It, have that's to always do it. a really inter interesting argument to me because you can look at things in like a very uh, physical, like biological technically more testosterone kind of way but if you focus on just basketball and soccer that you just brought up alone so much of it is skill focused and it's not you know it's it's stylistically like there's so much more going on there right exactly um, yeah everyone has their own flavor i i but i do feel that you know like i i we play pickup with the i play pickup with like mls guys like all current and former pros that play soccer i'm not going to outrun one of them it's it's just uh, unless like they're hurting it's just it's not going to happen but so i think it's like when you compare the two it's apples and oranges okay because yeah, i, I think with that's stylistic a, play like, why like, do we have to keep comparing yeah all the time? it's just like hey that's why it's men's soccer and women's mm -hmm. soccer you know it's just and like that's why there's nba and wnba i mean i know there's like um maybe some sports you could but I just feel like it's not, it's just like a, not a great comparison, you know? Mm -hmm. And women just deserve their fair yeah, share. Yeah, I don't yeah, think. Just I, let us do our thing. I don't know. It's something that constantly goes on in, in sports media. It's like, who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Yeah. We have that argument every single day. It's, it's like, 
why can't we just let them be themselves yeah. right, and like right. just it's appreciate different, everybody? Totally different it's like style. why are we constantly comparing men to women? Like yeah. why can't we just like live our own lives and just let it allow ourselves to like yeah. do our own thing? You know? Yeah, it's kind exactly. of it's kind of watering down those individuals. Like Michael Jordan did a great job at his time. You know, right. when it has, his to, do era. With the era it has as well. to do with yeah. everything. You know. Right. But you know, you you ask how is this going to get better? How is this going to change? I think it's really just going to take time, and it's also going to require that people speak up, and it has to come from the right people. Yeah, so it has absolutely. to come from a person like a Serena Williams, where she has proven herself and she is a pioneer. So like, and ten tennis got lucky because we got Billie Jean King. Right. And she stepped up in 1970 and was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just won a tournament in Rome and I got paid $600 and my male counterpart <laughs> got $3,500. Like, you right. gotta be kidding me. So several years She's later, special. she showed yeah. up at the U.S. Open and was like, I'm going to boycott. Yeah. In 1973, that's when the U.S. Open changed and they started paying men and women equal prize money. Yeah. And that's that's what... That's what, that's no, what has right. to happen speaking that way. Because last year, uh, Sam Kerr, who's on the Australian national team, she just scored four goals yesterday, killing it. Uh, she killing spoke it. up... Killing it. She spoke up last year about one of the teams in the NWSL, how it just needs to be better. Ever since then, there's been a lot of uproar of like, you know what, that's true. Like, how do we make it better? Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you have like one team that's just like falling apart or two or three, that's not helping the league. It's, it's, it's not, not helping, helping everybody. Growth. All right, but but everyone needs to, and women need to support the women's teams as well too. Oh, yeah, be a big set. definitely. I, on that note, I want to thank you all for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Hannah O'Flynn, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel Breton. Great to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you, and Prims Ripapat, thank you so much. Awesome conversation. We really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.